Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. ACF, happy Sunday. We are so glad that you are joining us online today. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here. And this is my incredible, amazing wife, Malia. And I'm really excited because this is the first time you've really ever preached with me before. So this is going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, But if you're joining us for the first time, we want to say welcome. We are so glad that you're joining us online today. And right after service today, we have something called Zoom Lobbies. And we would love to invite you to come, jump on, meet some people, say hello. And if you have any questions about ACF, have some of those questions answered. Um, So we are in the middle of a series right now called Love in Quarantine. It felt pretty appropriate during this time. Um, Just as we've been in quarantine now going on six weeks, seven weeks, um, we realize that sometimes um, we need a break from each other. And so uh, it can get a little crazy in the home. And so we're in the middle of this series just talking about marriages and building into our marriages. Um, Before we continue on, Um, Right now, I want to let you guys know that today's message would probably be considered a PG-13 message. Um, I think if you have junior hires in the room or high schoolers, it would be important for them to stay in the room. And uh, but we will be talking about uh, intimacy today. And so just to give you a heads up, if you want to um, get some of the younger kids out of the room, you can do that now. Or if you want to stick around, I think that's okay as well. It's up to you guys. But just giving you a heads up on that. So, like I said, we've been in a series called Love and Quarantine, and for the last couple weeks, we've talked about things like how to do conflict resolution, how to do conflict well in marriage. And I love the quote that healthy marriages are not marriages void of conflict, they're marriages that do conflict well. Um, That was a couple weeks ago, and then last week, uh, uh, the message was called oil and water. And I loved it because Paul and Liz talked about differences in people and how we're all super different. um, And yet we can do marriage well, even with our major differences. And that there really is no such thing as like a soulmate. There's really no such thing as like, well, we're just two different people um, to make this marriage work. But with with hard work, um, that any marriage can, can be successful, even if your personalities are very different. And so today we're going to continue the conversation on marriage and we are talking about intimacy and and I titled the message, Know Me and and how God wants to know us and we need to know each other and we're going to get into that here. But we thought it'd be fun to start out just kind of sharing our story with you guys. Um, Not a lot of you guys know our story together. And so... Yeah, it kind of starts out that we grew up together in the same town, met each other like, I don't know, 13, 14 years yeah. old, and um, then started dating uh, after high school, I got married in 2003, mm-hmm. so we've been married for 16 years, Yep, almost, almost 17, 17, almost 17, that's crazy, like the day you stand at the altar and you get married to think like, 
17 years from now, 20 years from now. I mean, I think I thought in 2003 we'd have flying cars by 2020, right? <laughs> but it seems so far away, and yet here, here we are. So, <clears throat> yeah, we got married and kind of moved away and moved to California and worked uh, doing ministry down in California and worked in inner city LA doing some stuff down there. And I don't know, the first year of our marriage, I think, was pretty typical. Yeah. Had its ups and downs and whatnot. And had a whole honeymoon phase. Yeah, we did a honey, we had a honeymoon phase of marriage. Um, and then we, we ended up moving back uh, up to Washington, where we were originally from. And I, I started working at a church up there. And, and kind of quickly after that, after year one, year two, um, we started to notice that there were some issues happening in our marriage. Uh, things were happening and, and we didn't really want to talk about it. And they just kind of seemed to build and build and build. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, during that time, like you said, moving back to Washington, we um, just seemed to notice that we weren't connecting well as a couple. And we weren't connecting well in some different areas. And one of those areas were we were not connecting well physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Josh said, he was a pastor at our church that we grew up at in Washington, which was an amazing opportunity and a dream and goal that he um, had for his life. And it was awesome. Um, but with him having the job at the church, it, he had to work many jobs. And so it made finances a very big stressor in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so that brought up a lot of conflict um, that went unresolved. Um, So about year five, we decided we wanted to start having kids. And so we started down that journey of having kids, and we got pregnant with our first, and it ended um, pretty quickly in miscarriage. And when that happened, that was really difficult for us uh, physically and emotionally, and we both dealt with it in very different ways. Yeah, like I kind of wanted to dwell on it. I, I just wanted to hang there and mourn this loss. And Malia just really wanted to kind of move through it. Like this happened. It was terrible. Um, I'm depressed, but let's move on. I don't, I don't want to think about this too much anymore. Yeah. And we didn't really have much of a community or people that we felt like we could reach out to that had walked through this. So we felt really alone. And so um, from that, we went on to um, trying and got pregnant with Cyrus and had Cyrus, our first. And um, quickly after we had Cyrus, I realized that I had put so much stock into being a mother. Um, I dreamed about being a mother more than I had dreamed about being a wife. And so when Cyrus came along, um, I quickly put him above Josh and made an idol out of him and out of motherhood. And that just really tore down a lot of intimacy in our marriage. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we were struggling with, with just intimacy. We were struggling in our marriage and, and we didn't really we didn't really want to talk about it, right? Like part of the struggle was the fact that we were believing lies about marriage. Um, and, and those lies were, were things like, it's like, you know, better and, and you can see that it's a lie. And yet you still find yourself believing it. Like Christians don't struggle in their marriage, right? Malia and I, we grew up going to youth group together. We grew up in the church. And for me, 
I was working as a pastor. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. I, ha- I had and have incredible Christian parents with an incredible marriage. And so my thought was, well, yeah, I know marriages have their struggles, but ours will never have like real struggles, like really difficult things because, you know, we got God on our side, right? Like we know the truth. We've been to church. We read the Bible. So that is kind of repellent for, for real issues entering our, your marriage. And so when issues started to enter our marriage, um, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to talk about it. I just wanted to ignore it. I, I didn't believe it um, because how could this be happening to us? Because we've done it all the, the right way, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, so. when he says the right way, I mean, for me, we grew, we both grew up in the church in an amazing youth ministry, and they spoke a lot in, to our lives on relationships and um, dating relationships and, you know, the do's and don'ts of that physically. And Josh and I, we felt like we both did a great job upholding those standards that we had set for our relationship. And so I honestly thought, like, I did all that hard work then to refrain from having sex. We're going to get married, and it's going to be amazing and no work involved. Right. Like, that's the hard work. Just don't have sex before marriage. Then it's easy after that, right? Like, we we thought that and believed that. And so when things did get difficult. It, it kind of caught us off guard, honestly. And it was something we, we just kind of ignored for, for a really long time. Um, but there were a lot of those lies that we believed, just like in a perfect marriage. Like we would say, oh no, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. But if there is, ours will be pretty close to that. And then when it ended up not being that, um, man, it, it took us, uh, it took a toll on us. And it did some damage to our intimacy um, you know, and, and the, the truth of the matter is when we say the word intimacy, a lot of people just kind of automatically think sex, but intimacy is so much more than sex. Um, in fact, the, the uh, Hebrew word for intimacy means closeness and that idea of closeness between a husband and wife and that idea too about closeness between us and God, like God created us to be intimate beings. Um, the Bible says that we are created in the image of God and that God is an intimate being. He's, he's the ultimate uh, intimate being. He experiences perfect intimacy um, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and this, this triune God, this Holy Trinity. They experience perfect intimacy together. And then out of that, he creates us and he created us for intimacy. In fact, in Genesis 2, we read about this creation story and that God creates everything, right? And he creates the animals and, and, and the birds in the air and the fish in the sea and all these things. And then he creates man. And, he, and everything is good. But then in Je- Genesis chapter 2, we see for the first time something that is not good. And that is this. It is that man is alone. Um, and that he's not experiencing the fullness of intimacy, I think, that he was created to experience. And, and, and then God creates Eve out of that. And it wasn't just that man didn't have a wife. It, w- it wasn't about that. I believe that it, he was missing some intimacy of community um, and of marriage, uh, both. And so we see that we were created for intimacy. And intimacy is a really important part of, I believe, our human experience and especially when it comes to marriage, that intimacy is such a key 
foundational piece of a marriage. And what we were experiencing was that our intimacy uh, was, was starting to break apart. It was starting to collapse. And I love this <clears throat> Psalm 139. Uh, David writes this beautiful um, kind of poem about who God is and his desire for intimacy with us. And I just want to encourage you, listen to these words. And this is what God desires for you as well. Oh, Lord, you have, sh- you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are, acqu- uh, are acquainted with all of your ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind me, <clears throat> I'm sorry, behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows them well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in the secret, um, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when I was yet none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Our God is an intimate God. And I love this verbiage in here that he talks about, that your, your thoughts towards me are more than the sands of the sea that you knew me before I was born. That is the God that we serve. That is the God who loves us. And that is the desire for us in our marriages, in our marriages to have intimacy, be an intricate part of them. Because uh, intimacy is an intricate part of our God. And honestly, we had a marriage where intimacy was breaking down and and it was breaking apart. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of reasons um, for our lack of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, one of the big ones, was lack of physical connection. Yeah. So there was a lack of sex and also a lack of interest in sex. And um, another big one was lack of date nights. Yeah. We had all kinds of excuses why we couldn't go on date nights. We didn't have money. Um, I didn't want to leave the kids because I was working outside of the home and didn't want to be working outside of the home. So I was not going to leave the kids when I had the opportunity to be with them. Um, so that was, that was hard. And then another thing was depression. I really struggled with depression because I wanted to be home with our kids. And at the time, Josh's job wasn't 
allowing it for me to be. And so a lot of bitterness and distrust in my heart um, towards Josh and towards God um, really led us to a place of broken intimacy. Yeah, I think some other areas too that were, were kind of breaking apart the intimacy in our marriage uh, was a lack of trust. Um, we kind of both were looking to protect ourselves, um, not physically or anything like that, but really emotionally. Um, I didn't want to approach Malia with things. I didn't want to be honest with her. I found myself lying to her often because I was afraid of the reaction that I would get from her. And so to do that, to protect myself kind of emotionally, I would just kind of beat around the truth or make it seem better than it was or just flat out lie because I was trying to protect myself. And honestly, um, that time in our marriage, that time in my life, I felt stuck. Um, And not stuck in a marriage per se, but stuck in this place where And this is crazy when I look back at it now. I felt stuck between two decisions. I either had to choose to honor God or I had to choose to honor my wife. And it's funny because you look at that and it's, you can't, you can't separate those two things. But for me, it was like, I felt this strong pull to work at the church and be a pastor and do these things. And if I was going to do that, that meant that forever, Malia was never going to be able to stay, be a stay at home mom. And so I wasn't going to be able to honor those wishes. But, and, and so I felt this tear and I felt stuck to like have to choose between honoring God or my wife, um, which again, you look back at it and, and that's, that's crazy, but that's where I, where I found myself. And again, it, it caused me to just to want to pull away um, from her and, and kind of protect, protect myself. And then we found ourselves in a crisis moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was this moment where we were confronted by a third party um, kind of about just what was going on in our lives. And they called us out on a lot of things, and it was really difficult. And it made me angry. It made her angry. Um, but what it did is it put the issue in front of us, and we we had to deal with it at that point. And really, it started us down the journey of of recovery for this. Well, yeah, I mean, it put us in a place where we had to realize, are we going to own some of this stuff that was brought up to us, own what is ours and what needs to be fixed, and are we going to grow from it? Are we going to work on things and move forward, or are we going to stay where we're at and just hope for the best? Yeah. Um, it continue to ignore, hope for the best, and honestly probably expect the worst um, out of our marriage. Um, but we were able to admit like real issues that we were having and admit mm-hmm our shortcomings and our sin and um, what we were struggling with. And, and it, was, it wasn't until that moment. It was at that moment when we were able to talk about real problems that we were able to talk about real solutions uh, to those problems and really start to get help. Um, Malia went to the doctor for the first time to talk about yeah. her depression. Like she admitted yeah. she had depression and was willing to go get help with mm-hmm. it and walk through that journey Um, we started financial coaching and our church was offering financial classes. And so we went and it was incredible and it changed everything for us. And, you know, I always tell people like Dave Ramsey, like saved our marriage because I'll never forget the first time we sat down and talked about finances and we didn't fight about it. And I was like, I was so excited. I couldn't believe that we, this was possible to talk about finances and not fight, um, you know, we, we started to make real changes. Um, we, we started being intentional about sex. 
um, we started to talk about it. Like that's one thing I found just for years of being a pastor is, is talking with married couples is they don't really want to talk about sex together. Like mm-hmm. they might talk about it separately with their friends, but together it's this weird thing. And so, yeah, well, and I mean, just talking about how much you're each expecting to have yeah. sex and wanting to have sex, talking about things that you like about sex and things that you don't being mm-hmm. real honest yeah. and being vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerability started to happen between us. And, and what that did is that started us a journey of a journey of building intimacy in, in our marriage. And so, um, what we realize is in, in that in marriage, you're either building intimacy or you're, you're tearing it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you're tearing it down. And so you're either building your intimacy or you're breaking your intimacy. Mm-hmm. And we had spent five, seven, seven years breaking intimacy um, mm-hmm. in our marriage and not really building into it. And, and the, the truth is we, we had tried to work on it. Right? Like we had gone to marriage classes at our church. We had gone to marriage seminars. We had gone to parenting seminars. Mm-hmm. We were trying to work on it, um, but it, it wasn't helping. I mean, I'll never forget we joined a marriage class at the church, and at the end of it, it felt like it made things so much worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were more apart from each other and more angry at each other. I think because we weren't willing to talk about the real issues. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe that is where you are at right now is you're going, Josh, we, we've tried things. We've gone to a counselor. We've gone to the marriage retreats. We've read the books and nothing is helping. And so we're just not good with each other. We're just not good for each other. Um, we're just too different. And that's not true. And, and that's just, that's a lie that you are beginning to believe. Just like we believed a lot of lies in our marriage and for us, what we realized is the reason these marriage conferences and classes and books weren't helping us is because we were just trying to deal with um, the surface issues. Like, oh, we're not going on enough dates. That's the problem. If we just go on more dates, it'll fix our marriage. But that wasn't the problem. It was the reason why we weren't going on those dates. And those were the things we were avoiding talking about. Um, but when we started talking about them, uh, and being honest about them and owning them ourselves, uh, it changed. It changed everything, mm-hmm. and we were able to start building intimacy into our marriage. And so, what we want to do now is we want to talk about four different types of intimacy. Because again, intimacy is not just sex. Intimacy is closeness. But I believe that there are four different types of intimacy that are key and vital to to every marriage. And so we want to talk about those, and, and I want you to listen and, and really think about, man, where are we strong right now, and where are we struggling? And so the first type of intimacy we want to talk about is spiritual intimacy. We talked a lot about this already, that our God is an intimate God, that he wants to know us, and he created us in his image. And so we are spiritual beings, and that there's an intimacy that we share together um, when we're able to do certain things together. And so ways that you can build spiritual intimacy are things like praying together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking that time to pray together as a couple, uh, pray yeah. for one another yeah. um, praying as for individuals. Each, yeah, praying for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is being in the word together. Um, and, and finally, worshiping together. 
I think if you start with those three things, start with praying together, being in the word together and worshiping together, um, that will make a huge impact in your marriage. In fact, they seem so elementary, especially if you've been raised in the church, if you've been around the church for a long time, it sounds like, well, duh. But if I ask for a show of hands to say, who's doing this consistently right now with your spouse? I don't think there'd be a lot of hands raised. I know we even struggle still with doing these things consistently with each other. Yeah. Like if Sundays are the only time that you are worshiping together, you're not worshiping together enough, mm-hmm. right? And so I think there's uh, things that we need to be doing that seem like obvious, but we still don't do them. And so I want to encourage you guys, pray, be in the word and worship together. Well, you know, and even before that, doing it as a couple, you need to be doing it as an individual Man, yourself right. and having that intimate um, connection with Christ before you're having it with your spouse. Yeah, so th- those are ways we build in, uh, spiritual intimacy and way we break spiritual intimacy is just that. It's a lack of discipline. It's not being disciplined enough to be in the word your, by, on yourself, by yourself, mm-hmm. being not spiritually disciplined to be in the word together. Um, that lack of discipline, you'll never grow spiritually together if you're not growing uh, spiritually apart. And so that is so important. Yeah. I, think, I think another thing is a lack of value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we often put it at the bottom of the list of importance when yeah. really it's the highest. Yeah, we, we feel like maybe there's intimacy that's being broken. And so we, we, we rush to kind of some of the obvious things to try to build those up to fix them. Um, I think when, when spiritual intimacy should be the number one thing we run to, uh, to grow together. Um, and I just want to say this. I know for a fact there's many of you watching right now uh, who are not married to a Christian person. Your spouse is not saved. And so you might be going, so what does that mean for me? I can just never achieve spiritual intimacy? Uh, well, not, not exactly. I love what Peter says. Um, I love that Peter was someone who was married and he writes about marriage. And what he says is this, basically what he says is, look, if you're married to somebody who's not a Christian, who's not saved, who's not a follower of Jesus, then win them over by how much you honor them and how much you live a godly life. And then he says that you might win them over without even using words, that they see how much you honor them they see how much you honor God and how you live your life and that that would be the thing to win them over. And if you do that, you will have a spiritual connection to your spouse. And the other thing is pray for them. Mm -hmm. That if you continue to pray for them daily, believing that God loves them even more than you do and that he's working on their heart, that there will be a form of spiritual connection and spiritual intimacy there. So I want to encourage you in that way. So the next thing is intellectual intimacy. Ephesians 5 says, love your wife like you love your own body. So as an individual, you know your body. You know what's going on in your body. Yeah. And we are to love our spouse and know, know them that well. Yeah, I know when I'm tired. I know when I'm hungry, right? I know when my body's hurting. Um, do I know my wife that well? Is there an intellectual connection there? Um, you know, I feel like as couples, we do a really good job when we're in the dating phase right. of our relationship. You know, of getting to know them, their interests, being interested in what they are, the whole chase. And then somewhere along the lines in marriage, it's like we think, oh, we did that. We don't need to continue doing that. 
Yeah. When in reality, we change, we grow um, as individuals, as interests in different things like that. And it's a constant pursuit of our spouse. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you build intellectual intimacy? Know their likes, their dislikes, their hobbies, their dreams. Know those things. Um, learn those things. Be into those things. Um, take interest in what they like. You know, I know a lot of couples, the weekend hits and the husband goes off to do his thing and the wife goes off to do her thing and never shall they meet, right? And, and it is okay to have your own hobbies apart from your spouse. I think that's healthy too, but to have nothing in common together that you look forward to, that you do together, uh, that's a dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. And, but, but learning, and just, you don't even have to do them, but just learning what they're into, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, you share an intellectual connection when you, when you do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, ways that I think you can break intellectual um, intimacy is really just what Malia said, stop pursuing your spouse. Um, can, to, to stop learning who they are because who they are is always changing. Um, I think too often we, th- we say things like, well, they're just not the person I married. Well, that's a good thing uh, because they're always changing. And guess what? You're not the person they married either anymore. You're changing too. And so continue that pursuit. Um, I think this is a big one. Uh, another lie that we believe is intimacy is contractual, that we've entered into some sort of um, contract in our marriage and with intimacy. And, and what I mean by that is um, when, when you enter into a contract, if someone doesn't hold up their end of the deal, you don't hold up your end of the deal. But you see, intimacy is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. And a covenant is so much different than the contract. A covenant says, look, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm gonna hold up my end of what I promised. It's God's covenant with us that no matter how much we screw up, no matter how much we blow it, he's gonna be faithful. And that's what marriage is supposed to be. But too often we treat it like a contract. And I remember doing this when we were struggling. You know, I, I, I become right, like the beautiful mind. Like I'm in my mind going, okay, Malia did this. She said this. She didn't come through in this. And so now I don't have to come through in this way. It's okay if I lie to her here because I'm protecting it. And so I, I start, you know, justifying because I, I'm treating it like a contract instead of a covenant. And so that's one, another way we tear down intellectual intimacy is just using my mind to tear apart this marriage uh, because it's fair, right? It's, it's fair for me to act this way because of what they did. And so uh, that's just another way that we continue to tear down intimacy in our marriages. Yeah, another thing is, is we think intimacy will be effortless, yeah. um, that we found our soulmate, <laughs> our only one, yeah. and they're going to complete us and it's going to be perfect. Um, well, that's just not true. Not true. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just not true. Um, but when you believe that you start, and you start to struggle, you start to wonder, oh, maybe I married the wrong person. Maybe there's someone else out there for me. Like, I love Malia with all of my heart. Um, and I know she feels the same for me. But I also know that if we would have married different people, and just been in different places in life, if I would have made a decision to go off to college instead of sticking around, you know, I could have married someone else and I could have an equally um, fulfilling and loving marriage and she could have an equally fulfilling and loving marriage with somebody else. Um, it, marriage is, is people coming together and working together. And I love that Paul and Liz talked about that last week. Yeah. The next one is emotional intimacy. 
Um, and that's really just about being open and vulnerable with each other. And again, this is where I struggled a lot when we were struggling because I, I, I wanted to protect my emotions because I didn't trust her, uh, Malia with my emotions. Mm -hmm. So scripture says, mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And so really seeking to understand that person. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen that a lot with Josh in my life with my struggle and depression. Um, he doesn't struggle with that. And he has really, really seeked to understand my feelings and how I feel in that. Mm. And um, it has really brought, brought in emotional, emotional intimacy. Yeah, connecting on, on an emotional level. Um, I think uh, ways to build it, again, is to seek to understand them. When Lee just talked about, also forgive as quickly as possible. Mm. Uh, we love to keep scoreboards in our minds. I kept a scoreboard for a long time. And I would say, oh, I forgive you for that. But I didn't. I, I didn't release that thing. I held on to it for a later date. Um, and that, that damages emotionally um, the ability to connect because you're always just holding back a little bit in case, and then I have something I can use of a reason why I'm allowed to speak to you this way or treat you this way. It's because you did it last time. And mm -hmm. so um, it always holds you back. And so forgive each other as quickly as you possibly yeah. can. Another way to build it is to never say negative things about your spouse, um, especially to other people. And I had a terrible habit of doing that with my family speaking negatively about Josh and just really painting a very poor picture of him to them, which in turn, I started believing those negative things and it tore a lot down in our marriage. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's one thing to talk about real issues going on with trusted people, mm -hmm. um, but just bad-mouthing your spouse is, is such a terrible habit to get into and it will always, always damage um, intimacy, and I think especially emotionally, it, it causes you to to hold back. And I love what Paul and Liz talked about. I'm sorry, what Brian and Amanda talked about a couple weeks ago about that idea of stonewalling that you allow stonewalling into your marriage. And I think one way we stonewall is emotionally. Like I'm not going to connect with you because I can't trust you, and I'm going to hold these things back from you. Um, so yeah, honor them with your words. That's a way to build intimacy is to honor them with your words. Uh, ways to break it, I think, is just being non-empathetic, not seeking to understand what they're going through, um, just thinking they're crazy for feeling the way they feel. Yeah, you know, like what Paul said mm -hmm. um, with Liz about crazy. And, you know, <laughs> he would say, you're crazy, and it that didn't work. He had to ask more questions, seek to understand mm -hmm. her feelings and... Yeah, yeah, it's very important. I think another way we break it down is looking to be fulfilled emotionally outside of the marriage. Mm. Um, this, is, this is a really dangerous thing when you're not feeling like your partner is fulfilling you emotionally. You can start to look for it in other people. Um, and I would even say other things um, just to fulfill you emotionally. Maybe it's just becoming um, addicted to, you know, the golf course. It's becoming addicted to, you know, just every weekend going and doing your own thing because it fills you, but it's apart from your husband or your wife. And then, of course, especially uh, looking for other people to fill you emotionally, whether that's someone from the opposite gender uh, that you look to start to fulfill you and you start mm -hmm. to fantasize about, or even like Malia talked a little bit about of like your kids and just mm -hmm. putting that weight of them fulfilling you emotionally is a really dangerous, dangerous place to be in.
And I think also, as I say, looking to be filled emotionally outside of the marriage is a way to, to break down um, emotional intimacy. I think looking only inside your marriage to be fulfilled emotionally is also dangerous. That puts a lot of pressure on your husband or your wife to completely fulfill you, right? You complete me. You fill me completely. That's a really dangerous place to be as well because they're going to fail you, um, if you haven't figured that out yet, <laughs> maybe you've been married for a day and you're just hearing this, your spouse is going to fail you and they're going to damage, uh, they're going to cause damage to your emotional intimacy. And if you're looking for them to 100% fill you, um, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. That we're, again, we are created for community. Um, and that's more than community with just one another. That, man, if, if I'm a guy, I should have some guys that are pouring into my life, building me up. You know, if you're a lady, that you should have ladies pouring into your life, building you up, and, and filling you emotionally as well. And so that's a super important part of marriage, um, to not be isolated in that way. And finally, uh, the, uh, uh, the fourth type of intimacy is physical intimacy. And I know when you say physical intimacy, everybody thinks about sex. Sex. And sex is great and it's wonderful, but physical intimacy is more than just sex. Um, and I think that's, that's uh, a stumbling block for some people. Um, and that's where some of the breakdown starts to happen. Uh, again, intimacy is closeness. And so just closeness physically is an important thing. Um, it, it kind of builds a whole bunch of different things like, like safety and security uh, with each other when you can just be physically close. And that can look like a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can look like holding hands, hugging, cuddling, kissing. I know my favorite, um, my favorite thing every evening I look forward to is snuggling with Josh on the couch after the kids go to bed. And for me, that is very, um, very intimate physically for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And... And it's important, too, for um, our kids, if you have mm-hmm. kids and you're married, to see physical affection between mom and dad. Um, I love this quote um, by Theodore Hesenberg, and this is what he said. He said, the greatest thing a father can do for his children is love their mother. And, and that is so, so true. And a way for your children to see that you love their mother is through physical affection. Um, letting them see you guys hug and hold hands and, and cuddle and things like that. It, it's an important part of physical intimacy. And I know that there's people out there, typically guys, but not always, who go, well, I'm just not a touchy-feely person. That's okay. That's okay. Not everyone's love language is, you know, is touch, you know, is physical touch. But it also means you still need to know it. You still need to learn it. You still need to speak it because I can promise you one of the two of you have a a physical touch uh, as a higher priority than maybe the other person. So just because it's not something you long for doesn't mean it's not something that you should learn how to speak as a love language and physically um, connect with your spouse. In fact, this was a huge thing for us. We, as we talk about building physical intimacy, uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it. It's about being intentional about your physical touch. Uh, like Malia said, hugging and holding hands and things like that. But for us, one of the game changers in our marriage, and this is, this is almost silly to say, but one of the things that kind of was a savor of our marriage was a marriage counselor told us to do this. 
She said, hug for 30 seconds every day. Hug for a minimum of 30 seconds every single day. And so we're like, okay, I, I guess we'll try this. And, and what ends up happening is when you hug, after 20 seconds of hugging, your brain re- uh, releases chemicals into your body to calm you down. Um, uh, oxy- oxytocin gets released from your brain into your body and calms you down after 20 seconds of hugging. So hugging for 30 seconds allows that to kind of flow through your body. And oxytocin, what it does is it combats stress in your body. And so that literally hugging for 30 seconds can be a healthy thing for for your heart, uh, for your physical body, um, and definitely emotionally and, and, and physically connecting in that way. And I just think it's incredible that the God of the universe created us um, created our bodies to release chemicals that are healthy for us through physical touch. Um, it's an incredible thing, and it's so important that we have that in, in our marriage. And of course, finally, part of physical intimacy is sex. And sex is an incredible gift from God, and it's an incredibly important for a marriage. But the thing about sex that's interesting is sex is all four types of intimacy wrapped into a single moment. Sex is a very spiritual thing. I love how Matt Chandler talks about it's the mingling of your souls. Sex is a mental thing. Uh, Sex is emotional. And of course, uh, sex is physical. And sex is all of those things in one single moment that you share together. And that's why God gave it to us as an incredible gift. Um, and he gave it to us to enjoy within marriage. Um, but the truth is sex can also be a very difficult or painful part of a marriage if you struggle with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that we struggled with that for a long time and we needed to become intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We really, um, worked at being intentional about sex and, um, a lie that we had been believing before was that if someone doesn't want to have sex, then we don't have sex. Mm. And so we finally came to this point where it was like, okay, I don't want to have sex tonight, but he does. Um, that's okay if I give in and I sometimes, still do it. Sometimes it was the other way. And sometimes, <laughs> but usually. Um, and that was just a really, really big lie that we believed. Well, it, it, what, what ends up happening is... You, 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 you break down in intimacy. You break down spiritually in intimacy. You break down um, mentally um, in, in intimacy. You break down emotionally in intimacy. You know what you don't want to do when that happens is have sex. Um, but the, the thing is, the sex actually can he- begin to heal those things. And so it was some people talking to us going, oh, this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't feel like it, you need to have sex. You need to schedule it, right? Yeah, yeah. We started scheduling it, which I thought was super bizarre when Josh brought up the <laughs> idea to me. Um, but, you know, life gets busy. Kids, activities, work. And by scheduling it, then we would, one, we would actually have sex. But two, it also promoted this fun um, way of anticipating it. Like knowing, oh, it's yeah. coming, you know, tonight. And so then it started way before right. the actual act of having sex that night. And yeah, it sounds like scheduling sex sounds cold and calculated and and how is that intimate? But man, we schedule dates, right? We schedule vacations. We schedule all sorts of things that we look forward to in our lives and to make sure that it was um, 
a part of our marriage and continued to help heal some of the, the problems that we were having and the struggles. And of course, it doesn't heal everything, but it, it's hard to heal also when it's non-existent. And so, but it became a part of our marriage and a part of the healing process. And so we were able to schedule it and, and grow in that area. And ways that we break it, that it gets broken down in intimacy too. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways, some more obvious than others, but some of them are just withholding it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm mad at you, so I'm not gonna have sex with you. Well, that's, that's okay for like a moment, but if that goes on a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, now again, we're in this argument and it's non-existent in our marriage, that's, that's dangerous and that's not okay either. As scripture talks about that, uh, we abuse it. That's super dangerous. Um, to, to, to go outside of the marriage with it, super dangerous. And that will obviously tear apart a marriage. But these are things that we, that we do in our marriage to bring damage to physical intimacy. And the truth is, marriage is hard. It is really hard. Um, but when we can fight for and reach for and, and work on and be intentional about the intimacy in our marriage... Um, it will bring us together to be able to really handle and, and weather so many storms that will come our way. I know when we were struggling, it felt like the littlest thing, littlest storm that would come our way would just feel like it would knock us both down. And now that we've been able to grow in this and build this in our marriage, it feels like we can handle anything. Um, and the truth of the matter is this, you may be watching right now, And you may be going, man, I have severely blown it in these specific areas when it comes to intimacy. And I'm here to tell you that there is a God ready to forgive you and restore you right now. In fact, I want to read this verse to you um, out of Isaiah. It's 118. Come now, let us argue this out, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sin, I can remove it. I can make you as as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool. And 1 John 1, 7, but if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. Amen. And there is forgiveness waiting for you right now with the God of the universe who wants that intimate relationship with you. And you see these things that we were talking about, these intimacies, this is the same way that God interacts with us, right? He interacts with us spiritually. He interacts with us mentally in our minds. He interacts with us emotionally. God interacts with us physically as well. See, this is not just for marriage, but this is about knowing each other in a marriage, but also knowing an intimate God who wants to know you and wants to love you. And so there is hope for you today if you are struggling in your marriage or just struggling in your life in general. And I want to end with this quote. This is from Tim Keller. I love Tim Keller. Um, And and this is what he says about intimacy and, 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 and marriage. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. 
And I love that quote. And that is what intimacy truly is about, is about being fully known and fully loved by each other. Thank you guys. We love you guys. And I want to pray for us right now that God would continue to work in our marriages. And maybe you've been struggling for a long time in your marriage. Maybe COVID has brought some things out. Um, Or maybe you're doing great. But I want to encourage you to continue to move forward in growing in your intimacy. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are an intimate God. Thank you that you love us, that you reached out to us, that you forgive us of our, of our sins, and that, God, that you hold a covenant with us, and that no matter how much we screw up, you will hold up your end. God, you are holy. I pray for marriages that are struggling right now. I pray, God, that you would restore intimacy in those marriages. God, I pray for great conversations right now that you would fill people's marriages with your spirit. And God, if there are people right now who are watching who are single, God, that, that they would look at their lives, God, and just even look at the relationship that they have with you. God, and that they would look at, man, am I intimate with God in these different ways and how can I grow? We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you never stop pursuing us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.